Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia, well outside the Beltway here in what they would call flyover country. Glad to be with you all over the country today. Hope things are great where you are. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Before I get to the phones here, I want to take Tony's call. I just saw this come across the transom, though. And it happened yesterday, but it's worth noting David McCullough has died. Um, One of the best books I have ever read is his biography of John Adams uh, and his biography of Truman. I need to go back and read the Truman one because it was so long ago. I was in college when I read that one. Um, I remember the John Adams book came out in January of 2021, or I'm sorry, of 2001. My wife was, um, had to have, we had just gotten married. We got married in October of 2000 and she had to have a double mastectomy uh, and it was scheduled for January 20th of 20 of 2001. That was the presidential inauguration day, the famous Bush versus Gore election. Bush gets sworn in and we're in the hospital and I am reading that book. And I finished that book while we were in the hospital. And it, honest to goodness, I I, I say this, and and I don't know any other way to describe it. It was like um, uh, parting ways with a friend. It was just a wonderful book. And I'm just was delighted by the success of the Paul Giamatti HBO uh, miniseries. It's just a, a profound book about a subject I didn't know a ton about at the time. I knew history uh, spends way more time on Thomas Jefferson than John Adams. And it was a tremendous, tremendous book. I really felt like I was losing a friend when I closed that book. And it got me through that that hospital stay there, uh, distracted somewhat from my wife's situation and all the election turmoil going around as a new lawyer worried about losing clients and, and being in the hospital and stuff. It was such a great book. Uh, it, his books, the book on Truman was fantastic. The Path Between the Seas on the Panama Canal was great. Um, his book on Teddy Roosevelt, just all of his books. His later books actually were just as good, but they don't get as much critical acclaim because woke historians attacked him, particularly his book on the pioneers who settled the West. A lot of younger woke historians attacked him for um, for lionizing white people. It's actually a good book, his, his book on the Pioneers of the West. Great book. He's one of the very few authors, if he wrote a book, I was guaranteed to read the book. He's just so readable. If you want to get into histories, uh, if, you're, if you're looking for books to read, just Google David McCullough and uh, get John Adams and get Truman and get The Path Between the Seas. Uh, start there. Truman and Adams in particular, they're not just biographies. They are they're works of literature. They're really, really great books. Um, sad to lose a historian like him, uh, someone who had a good pro-America vantage point, unlike so many of the woke historians right now. Now, I got to pivot from him. I want to get to phones here before I move on to anything else. Tony, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Oh, thank you. I just want to talk about how they talk about how they consider Trump to be a threat to democracy. And what did they think about the Chinese and Russians? So I think really ought to threat, not Donald yes. Trump. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm glad you say this because uh, when Dick Cheney had his ad the other day for Liz saying Donald Trump's the greatest threat to American democracy uh, or to the Republican, I'm like, no, China is a way bigger threat. 
to the United States and the American politicians and press corps who ignore China as being the threat that it is. Look at corporations like Disney uh, that make so much money out of China, way bigger threat to the United States than Donald Trump ever would be. Um, Now, listen, the issue here, and I get this from a lot of people, is just how worried should we be about military action from China and Russia? I don't think we have to directly be worried about China and Russia in military action. I think we have to be worried about them being expansionist. Now, I want to I want to thread the needle here a little bit for you guys. This may rock the boat with some of you. You can always call in 877-973-7425. I think that we have to be very careful when it comes to China and Russia and their expansionist sentiment. There are a lot of Americans, loudly so on the right these days, who do not want to engage China and Russia. They don't think we should be in Ukraine. They don't think we should be helping Ukrainians. Uh, Let Taiwan deal with China itself. Uh, There has always been a profound sentiment of isolationism within American politics, particularly as there's turmoil on the world stage. Uh, But while there is turmoil on the world stage, we often find that if America acts, the turmoil goes away. Here's the problem. If you allow Russia to take over Ukraine, Russia won't stop at Ukraine. And at some point, you will have to respond. So do you respond now or do you respond after they've increased their land holdings and entrenched their positions? This is the same thing with China. But China even more so than Russia. China wants Taiwan. But China also wants to spread, initially wanted to be a regional superpower. China wanted to be the dominant power in the east, along the Pacific, uh, the South China Sea. China wants more than that. Now, China believes itself to be the global superpower or headed that way. And the only thing standing between the title world superpower and China is us. So if China were to take Taiwan, don't think they would just stop at Taiwan. They would view that as weakness. And so they would stretch out from there. They would stretch out and they would go in towards the Philippines. And they would start taking islands that Japan likes. They would start looking at Guam, the Northern Marianas Islands, uh, American territories. Already you've got Vietnam wanting to strengthen ties with the United States. Yes, that Vietnam wanting to strengthen ties with the United States because though that country is communist, they are deeply worried about China. I think you have to find strategic ways to take on China. Nobody wants a war. The problem is when you start talking about this stuff, the isolation is, oh, you just want war. No, nobody wants to go to war. Got friends in the military. I don't want to send them off to war, but we have to find ways to deal with the problem. One of the ways to deal with the problem is structured alliances. So the Solomon Islands in the South Pacific, 
the Chinese have been trying to get in good there and solidify a position so that they can have some port dominance. The Chinese, one thing they lack that we have are ports around the world. Equatorial Guinea in Africa is allowing China to come in and set up a military naval base to give them their first naval base in the Atlantic. There is a rumor afoot that Barbados, which has thrown the Queen of England out of power there, uh, and declared themselves a republic, is getting loans from China, and the Chinese are eyeing it as a base in the Caribbean. The American government cannot be asleep at the switch here. Under Barack Obama, our military used to have the idea that it should be able to fight and win two wars on two fronts at the same time. And under Barack Obama, he reduced the military capacity and decided that in his administration, in the uh, decennial review of the military, we would win one war and be able to hold our own on the other war until we won the first war. And so he was able to shrink the military and make those bold claims that we should not have to worry about China. Now, going back to the Bush administration, I knew and liked and thought the world of Don Rumsfeld, but I thought one of the strategic mistakes in the Pentagon at the time was to be so myopically focused on terrorism around the world that we failed to engage with the rogue actors who helped them. And in fact, uh, by not treating China as an adversary then, we are having to treat China and embolden China as an adversary now. We should have been restructuring our national security a long time ago to encourage manufacturers to leave China. I am a fan of Apple. I like Apple as a technology product. Not a big fan of Apple, the company. Uh, they're too woke for me. They're, my gosh, Friday night baseball. Apple's Friday night baseball. Uh, I, 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 Having watched their Friday night baseball commentary, I kind of hope Apple does not get Sunday night football. The commentator, The commentary and the commentators are dreadful. They're not engaging. They're, they're, they're not funny. They're not insightful. They're just not good. They are just not good. And it, it looks like Apple was trying to value uh, skin-deep diversity over valuing excellent baseball commentary, and it's just sad. I would rather just watch the game or, or let them bring in the feed of the local announcers, pick your team, are you on this team or that team, hear those announcers, instead of hearing the Apple baseball commentary. They're, they're terrible. And Apple has decided if they start making anything in Taiwan, uh, they're not going to be able to label them Taiwan. They're going to have to be labeled made in China. Apple, of course, and other American corporations are dependent on China. Disney is the worst. Disney is worse than Apple. Disney and Nike are actually both worse than Apple. They are so wholly dependent on Apple for their supply chain. They're wholly dependent on, uh, not Apple, on, on China. They are so dependent on China for their revenue that they are willing to sell out their own country, the United States, in order to prop up their business in China. Apple, at least, is trying to diversify and get out of China. Not Nike and not Disney. They are beholden to Chinese communists. This country 
is going to undermine its own footing in the world against China if it doesn't realize there are strategic interests we must stand for. Joe Manchin, in his inflation deal, decided to structure an electric vehicle tax credit so that the only electric vehicles that would uh, qualify for it are ones made in the United States. There is literally not a single electric vehicle on the market today that qualifies for Joe Manchin's tax credit in large part because the Chinese produce 75% of the rare earth minerals needed for batteries. We have the capacity in this country with our resources to be able to do that, but the environmentalists who the Democrats are beholden to have been blocking mines and opportunities for expansion and digging and exploration to be able to get those precious earth min- rare earth minerals. You can't do it in this country. We are behind in the collection of lithium and the mining of lithium in this country, the mining of nickel and elsewhere in this country. We are behind on it. China is kicking our butt. And what China has done has gone into Central and South America and bought up a lot of the mines. They're owned by the Chinese Communist Party now. South American and Central American mines. They played a strategic game. While we were distracted by wars in the Middle East, the Chinese were moving into the Western Hemisphere. If there is one thing an American presidential administration should do, it is to bring back the Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine by James Monroe essentially said, the rest of you, the whole world, stay out of the Western Hemisphere. It is ours. Now, for people in Central and South America, they will say, well, that's just colonialism. You know what? None of you are as big as us. None of you are as good as us. None of you are as rich as us. So you either do business with us and you become prosperous, rich, and stable democracies, or we shut out everyone else and you stay a third world crapple. That should be our American policy. The Chinese instead have been going in building military and political and economic ties with South American and Central American countries to rival us because they're trying to undermine us. This is absolutely bizarre that we do not have an American administration willing to respond decisively against China. It doesn't mean war. It does mean acting like war could come and we might as well get prepared for it. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you're growing your business and need loans, $750,000 or more, reach out to them. They might be able to help get you yes, where a lot of banks are telling small and mid-sized businesses no. If you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com, FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Uh, we got to move on to other things, uh, one of which I'm just really struck by down in Florida. Val Dimmings. Val Dimmings is, she was a police officer in Orlando. She is, I think she was the, the chief of police down there, if I remember right. She's running against Marco Rubio. Um, nobody thinks Rubio is going to lose the election but she's doing her best and well she kind of stepped in it Dimming's voice support for the minneapolis city council members who pledged to abolish the minneapolis police system as we know it after the george floyd situation uh this is from the washington free beacon Fleming, uh, Demings fights to unseat Marco Rubio. The Democrats are running away from her praise. 
The position earned her praise amid the riots that followed George Floyd's death when two-thirds of Americans supported the Black Lives Matter movement. Since then, support has plummeted to 31%, prompting Demings to use her status as a former police officer to argue that she'd never call abolishing the police thoughtful. She actually at the time said that the police offices around the country could be abolished in thoughtful ways. Demings defended the Minneapolis City Council on CBS News, expressing confidence in the council's ability to reimagine public safety in safe and thoughtful ways. During a CNN appearance that morning, um, the mayor up there shared her hopes for a future without police, pressed on the prospect of having no cops to call on during break-ins. Uh, the mayor up there uh, said that this comes from a place of privilege. Calling the police means uh, more harm is done. Uh, you get what's going on here? We got another Democrat running away from the previous position. Now, what exactly is the position of the Democrats right now? They claim publicly they're not in favor of defunding the police. But, you know, you've got the squad, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the like. They're still down for defunding police. And you got Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Abrams says that she wants a more robust police and more funding for police, but she sits on the board of an organization that has paid her money and that board calls for defunding police. It is one thing, and this this is something we should all be able to agree on. It is one thing for a politician running for office to say something, particularly something that polls well. Supporting police and fighting crime polls well. It is the action that matters more, however. So, for example, what do you believe? Do you believe in Georgia Stacey Abrams? who says she wants more funding for police? Or do you believe the Stacey Abrams who sits on the board of an organization that has called for defunding the police? Do you believe the Val Demings who, when she was not running for the Senate, said she wants to defund police in thoughtful ways? Or do you believe the Val Demings who, now that she's running for office and polls show that's unpopular, says, I never said that. Well, I mean, you know, she's lying out of the gate. These issues will come back to haunt the Democrats. Uh, my buddy Dan McLaughlin, who writes over at National Review, he and I were talking about the polling. You know, there has been a polling rebound for the Democrats. They have surged again, uh, and he has agreed with my assessment. It tends to be uh, late summer, early fall. There tends to be a partisan rebound for the Democrats in the polling. Uh, and he says, watch after middle of September, September 15th. You usually see polling begin to consolidate as voters start thinking about where they're going to go vote. And given the economic situation in this country right now, my suspicion is we will see a polling rebound for the GOP. They may not win some of those D plus 10 seats they thought they were going to get over abortion and the like. But, I mean, everyone right now expects them to take back the House. The question is the Senate. And I still think they can do it between Adam Laxalt and Herschel Walker and the like. I think they take the Senate. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program. Well, Greg Abbott is the governor of Texas. Greg Abbott has stirred up a hornet's nest. He is bussing illegal aliens to New York and Washington, D.C. 
The mayor of New York, Eric Adams, has condemned, according to Politico, Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Sunday for sending buses of supposed asylum seekers to New York City, some of them against their will. This is horrific when you think about what the governor's doing, Adams said in an early morning visit to the Port Authority bus terminal, where he was greeted, um, greeting a bus transporting arriving migrants. Notice they won't say illegal aliens. The Republican Texas governor announced on Friday he was sending buses of migrants to New York. Adams, a moderate Democrat, has been charging for weeks. The state was sending asylum seekers to New York, overwhelming the city's homeless shelters. Abbott said migrants, Adams said migrants were being forced onto buses, even if they wanted to go elsewhere. Texas's governor has a state overrun by illegal aliens and a president who is unwilling to secure the border. So he is loading illegal immigrants on buses and sending them to New York and Washington, D.C., where the media and the policymakers live so they can experience what Texas is experiencing. And those Democrats are crying foul over it. They would rather they leave them in Texas where do you think Texas got the idea to send illegal aliens to New York and Washington? I give you a news story from WGXA News. That is a local news station in Macon, Georgia. From November 5th, 2019. New York City is relocating its homeless population in an effort to reduce the record number of homeless people. Mayor Bill de Blasio's administration has paid 2,300 homeless New Yorkers to move out of the city over the past year and a half. The report from the New York Post shows two exit points for participants in the program called the Special One-Time Assistance Program. Macon, Georgia, and Warner Robins, Georgia, about 30 minutes from Macon. WGXA News spoke to residents of Macon to see what they thought about this. Many felt relocating homeless to other cities wouldn't solve the problem. So New York started sending homeless people to middle Georgia back in 2019. The national media did not really cover it. But the city of New York was busing homeless people to middle Georgia, Macon, Georgia, the geographic center of the state of Georgia. Warner Robins, a military town south of Macon, were receiving an influx of homeless people from New York City. The media nationally didn't say anything. The governor of Texas is now busing illegal aliens to New York and Washington, D.C., and the national media thinks it's the biggest story of the year. The national media and the local Democratic politicians in New York and Washington, D.C. are screaming about it. How dare Greg Abbott do this? All he's doing is what they did. All he's doing, I mean, they started it. They came up with a precedent. They came up with the idea. Blame them. But no, no, the media didn't want to cover any of that. But they want to cover this. Here's the thing. Why should Texas have to keep up with the illegal aliens? Why should Texas have to do it? They're not getting any support from the federal government. The federal government could go secure the border, and they're not doing it. This past weekend, when the Senate was passing the Trump-Schaefer uh, inflation plan to raise taxes made possible by the chairman of the Republican Party in Georgia, 
the Republicans offered an amendment. It would prohibit the federal government from increasing the number of IRS agents until the number of border agents were increased. Democrats killed the plan. Democrats want to hire 87,000 IRS agents is the final number. But they don't want to hire any extra people at the border. And then they are upset when Greg Abbott buses those illegal immigrants to New York and Washington so the policymakers and the media can see for themselves what it's like. Good for Greg Abbott for doing it. They should be sending more than they are. Now, um, the other issue here is those IRS agents. The media doesn't really want to talk about that either. You will notice, uh, and again, I I think this is very important. Let let me real quick, uh, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to, I've got a filter. I'm going to fire up a lot of news sites at one time. uh, And I'm going to generate some some news observances. Let's see, my internet all of a sudden doing way too much at one time, but that's okay. We're going to make it work. We're going to make it happen. Here we go. New York Times, as I mentioned the first hour, things have not changed. Uh, New York Times is referring to the climate action by the Senate Democrats. Los Angeles Times, yep, climate legislation um, will will help. That's another one. Uh, let's see here. CNN, uh, well, they've, they've gone on to covering Alex Jones. Uh, nope, 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 nope. There, there it is. There it is. There it is. Uh, another angle on climate about the legislation. The Wall Street Journal, yep, Wall Street Journal again, focusing on climate. Uh, let's hop over to Politico. Politico, uh, historic climate bill faces state schism on clean energy. Yet another take on it being climate legislation. Notice there's no real take on the IRS agents. Jared Bernstein is one of the top economic advisors to the president. You're going to hear this. It comes in a little bit mid-conversation. I want you to understand what's going on here. The anchor this morning on CNBC was pushing Jared Bernstein on those 87,000 IRS agents. And who are they actually going to go after? Listen to Jared Bernstein refuse to answer the question. And it's very important you understand this. This is the question being asked as you come into the audio. The anchor at CNBC is asking about who those IRS agents are going to be auditing. And listen to Bernstein dodge. 400,000 in the sand, just like people, I've heard people talk about small business on the minimum so corporate is, tax. I want to be clear. Wait a second. You don't pay the minimum. Hold on. Wait a second. You don't pay. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. Nobody under $400,000 will pay higher taxes under the Inflation Reduction Act. Let's be very clear about that. And look, you talk about small businesses. The minimum corporate tax kicks in at over $1 billion in profits over the past three years, averaging over the past three years. Now, uh, if you have two, three, five employees, but your profits are a billion dollars, yeah, uh, you will face the the corporate minimum tax of fifteen percent. I'm not talking many about. Of the, I'm not, many of these conflating two issues, pay. Jared. You're conflating two issues. I'm talking about small businesses that are S corps or family. You know, not hedge fund managers. I'm talking about. Okay. You know, so they they if we're doubling not, the size of the IRS. Then who are they going to go after? Well, first of all, uh, good point because 
uh, the S-Corps uh, typically pass through their taxes to the individual side of the code. So that my point was that let's talk about businesses by their profitability. Nobody under 400K, whether you're a small business or an individual, pays a penny more in taxes. <laughs> cannot, cannot, cannot bring himself to answer the question. Who do you think 87,000 IRS agents are going to target? Do you really believe, are you so partisan as to really believe the Democratic talking point that they'll only target the thousand billionaires in the country? Really? Do you really believe that? The Democrats, if you will go back to last year, what did they want in the reconciliation plan? They wanted your bank or your Venmo app to have to notify the IRS if you got or withdrew $500 in a month. What was that for? It was for the gig economy. That's who they want to go after, the gig economy. They want to go after the non-white Uber drivers. They want to go after the Lyft drivers. They want to go after the Instacart uh, income earners, many of whom are not white. In fact, many of whom vote Democrat. That's who these 87,000 IRS agents are going after, the gig economy workers, the small businesses of America, the small businessmen of America, the entrepreneurs and the gig workers. It's fascinating to see this. You've got a bunch of green billionaires, teachers, labor unions, and coastal elite who will benefit from this bill, and how will they pay for it? By going after the non-white gig economy workers who have tended to vote Democrat in the past. You get an electric car subsidy for the wealthy, and you get tax audits for the middle class. That's how the Democrats are doing this. And, you know, this works if you're a coastal elite, if you're a member of the media. I played the clip earlier of, of George Stephanopoulos, who just thought, you know, the, the, the jobs number is just so good. Well, yeah, people are having to go to work because of inflation. Their retirement savings is dwindling away, and their income can't keep up with the rate of inflation. That's not a good thing, actually. Now you have the White House economic advisor, Jared Bernstein, on CNBC in a three-and-a-half-minute interview where the anchor asked over and over and over again, who is going to be impacted by the 87,000 IRS workers? He would not answer the question. He does not want to answer the question because the answer is clear. The middle class. What's so striking here is that the Democratic response, the left's response is, well, just trust the government. If, if you've paid your taxes, you have nothing to worry about. The American left today would make Richard Nixon blush. The American left today is not the American left of old that uh, fight authority, don't give the manpower, don't trust authority. Now it's like, eh, we're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents. And if you've paid your taxes, you have nothing to worry about, really. The left suddenly wants you to trust the government. Get your vaccine and trust the government. Oh, if only Breonna Taylor or George Floyd could be here to talk about trusting the government. Do you really want to trust the government? I mean, I'm a small government conservative. Do you know why I'm a conservative? I'm a conservative actually because I'm a Christian. 
I am theologically predisposed to being a conservative. Why? Because we live in a fallen world and we are all sinners. And as a result, I want as few sinners in charge of me as possible. That's why I'm a conservative. Now you have the left that used to be highly skeptical of government and government government power and authority telling you, hey, look, if you've done nothing wrong, you don't have to worry about getting audited by the IRS. Really, do they have any idea how this works? 87,000 IRS agents are being hired to target you. And if you're a Democrat driving around a city right now and I'm on the radio and you're working for Uber or Lyft or any of these other services, Instacart, you name it, you are about to be targeted by the Democrats and the IRS agents. They want your money. They've already got the billionaire's money. Hell, the the billionaires are already Democratic donors, but they don't have your money. Be prepared to make your tithe to the IRS. The Democrats need it to fund their climate agenda and give their white, rich donors electric vehicles. If you want to step up and put points on the board back against the left, consider using Patriot Mobile. If you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, you can get free activation. They're a cell phone provider that is explicitly a Christian conservative company. They give a portion of their profits to the conservative cause, to the First Amendment, to the Second Amendment, to the pro-life causes. Uh, and they, I mean, they live out their values and they need you as a customer to grow their profits so they can grow their contributions to the right. It's not a scam. It's not a marketing thing. It's the way they were designed. The left has been doing this for a while and Patriot Mobile is the answer to the left. We've got to fight on this ground too. So you go take your business to Patriot Mobile. You take your cell phone number there or get a new cell phone number. Take your unlocked phone or get a new phone. You do business with them. They've got guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. And then... They give a portion of their profits to the causes you care about. So you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or you can call them. They got 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here, and I want to go take one more phone call. Uh, Jusu, is it? I don't want to mispronounce your name. Yes. Welcome. It's Jusu. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Thank you. We got just a couple of minutes. Yes. Very good. Uh, I listen to your show uh, a whole lot. Uh, you may you you mentioned about uh, China and the United States. Yes. And I give you an example: Liberia. During the Cold War, Liberia was one of the military bases uh, for the United States mm-hmm. when they built the Rabaul International Airport. And after that, they they they, they, they pike and left. So. Meaning the Cold War is over. But this, the, the second round of the Cold War now is China and Russia expansion. Right. So China is failing in the vacuum now that the United States has created in the uh, developing countries, such as Liberia. Today, China is uh, in control of the communication system. Now they are helping with the development of the country. So now, they, we talk about uh, Taiwan. They, you made something about uh, United States alliance. I think that's going to be a very important thing that the United States needs to focus on. Yes. And because as a day with uh, NATO, NATO now provides a strong defense now against Russia. So mm-hmm. what about China? 
What is the U.S. doing? With respect to the countries around Taiwan or right. in Asia. So yeah, and, and look, we've got... Comment, go ahead, yeah, real quick. We've got less than a minute. Yeah, so that's what I call to really, because you, those of you in the media, I think it's time now to begin to engage this government and bringing mm-hmm. it out to the attention of the politicians. That, look, we have slept for too long. China is sailing in the vacuum in the mm-hmm. developing country. It's time for the U.S. to wake up. Amen. I appreciate you calling in, and, and thank you. And, and for those of you who might not have gotten the point there, the United States and Liberia were allies in the Cold War. The U.S. left after the Cold War ended, and now China's filling the void. Uh, China's spreading all over Africa and South America, uh, providing loans and equipment and support and, and uh, telecom equipment, computers and the like for these countries in the developing world that the U.S. used to do in the 1980s. So now they're using Chinese equipment and Chinese providers, and China is building alliances with countries that may not necessarily have our commitment to liberty and democracy, uh, and, and so China can persuade them. And what are we doing in the South China Sea, uh, we've got to rebuild our relationships with the Philippines. We've got to start building relationships with Vietnam. We've got to make sure Singapore is secure. They're an ally of ours. We've got to start working with some of these um, ocean uh, nations in, in Micronesia and Polynesia. We've got to build our alliances around China as China gets expansionist. But we can't forget Africa and we can't forget South America we got two continents with a lot of resources that China wants to exploit, and right now they're doing it. We've got to be able to respond. Great phone call. Great point. Uh, glad you called in there, Jusu. Thank you very much. All right, folks, uh, we will be back tomorrow. There are more elections tomorrow in the nation. suspect Liz Cheney will be losing in Wyoming tomorrow. Uh, we'll bring you all the latest, and Lord knows maybe the House will pass the Trump-Schaefer Inflation Act from the Senate and get it to President Biden, and all of our taxes can go up next week, thanks to the Democrats, but thanks to some Republicans down in Georgia.